Welcome to Day 58 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with uh, David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Two hey, people, guys. Hey. Uh, two people I really adore. One, one far more than the other. I hope so. Oh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Good to be with you. Good day. to be with you guys. Uh, we're reading through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a exciting book, a deeply convicting book. It's the story of the early mm-hmm. church. I love the way Luke frames it as he introduces it. He said, in my first volume, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And there's the implication that Jesus is still doing and Jesus mm-hmm. is still teaching mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit and through yeah. uh, through his church. And so there have been some exciting moments as the Holy Spirit has come on the day of Pentecost, the church is formed. Uh, the believers are all together. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, prayer, and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And the church you know, continues uh, to grow. And then you come to uh, Acts chapter 4, and you have this wonderful line in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And then all of a sudden we see the first mm-hmm. fracture in the fellowship of the church. And it's it's a little bit sad. Matter of fact, we'll see that again in uh, chapter six as well. So before we get into the mess of everyday church in the book of Acts, uh, let's offer this moment and let's offer ourselves to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting us up? No, I don't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for time to come to your word. Uh, we thank you for Luke and his great efforts to capture the the ups and the downs of the early church. And we ask now that as we look to your word that you would truly do the work that only you can do through your word. Um, Convict us where we need conviction, encourage us where we need encouragement, lift our eyes to see Jesus, to behold him and all of his glory and all of his wonder. And may we desire to live our lives obviously with the power of the Holy Spirit, but in such a way that honors you in all that we do, even the small details of our lives. And so, Father, thank you for your word. Uh, may it shape us now to look like Christ. We pray us all in his name. Amen. Yeah. Uh, thanks, David. At the end of chapter four, we learn that uh, there are people in the church who are selling their property in order to support those mm-hmm. who. I have no means, and uh, we're specifically introduced to Barnabas, who has a field and sells, you know, sells that field, and gives the entire proceeds to the church for its encouragement. Uh, then we come to uh, chapter five, where uh, we meet Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter five, verse one. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you've received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard about what happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this a price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in. 
then finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple court teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. Apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We give you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. A speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. A fantastic little story here. Uh, The apostles had been told not to teach in Jesus' name. Again, they're teaching in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say, we can't can't do that. We'll do everything we can to respect you, but we can't Mm -hmm. do, do that. And of course, they're brought before the Sanhedrin where 
Gamaliel you know, offers wise counsel, and it says they listened to his word, but they also flogged them. So I'm not sure they yeah. listened terribly well. <laughs> so when you read this passage, uh, what are some of the things uh, you know that stand out? So we begin with Ananias and Sapphira and move through the trial before the Sanhedrin. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Ananias and Sapphira is one of those stories that, you know, when you first read it, just seems a little over the top, mm -hmm. um, a little like, you know, why was God so angry that day type of thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, when we do think about scripture and we do think about the holiness of God and the holiness he's called his people to and, and the fact that, and even Jesus reiterated this all the time, just his his hatred for hypocrisy. Um, we, you know, mm -hmm. we continue to see that mm -hmm. even here, the Ananias and Sapphira, um, you know, the, the sins of hypocrisy and deceit are, are grave sins and uh, mm -hmm. something we probably don't take as serious as we should. No, but I, in the I, eyes of God, absolutely take yeah, it serious. I imagine all of us are guilty of this, you know, of wanting to appear more spiritual than we really are. Mm -hmm. And of... Uh, and a putting on, you know, kind of a performance, you know, before God's people in order to convince them that we know more than we do or that we've got our act together more than, you know, more than we do. And, and God hates that. Yeah. You know, God hates that. Uh, we're introduced to God. You know, it is hard for us to process, you know, uh, you know the, the anger or the wrath of God. It's mm -hmm. hard, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for us to, you know, consider that. Whenever God, you know, introduces himself or shows you know, himself to Moses, you know, in Exodus, so I am a God, your Lord, gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger. Mm -hmm. And uh, the slow to anger doesn't mean that he is not justly angry at uh, our assaults against his character and our assaults you know, against each other. Uh, but he will, you know, he, he will act in, in, in wrath. And, and of course, the gospel is that uh, you know, Jesus has rescued us from Mm -hmm. You know, from the coming wrath, and and this is a picture of hypocrisy as something that he mm -hmm. he hates, and it's judged here immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just the same way, you know, as soon as the tabernacle's set up, Aaron's sons mm -hmm. uh, offer you know strange fire, and uh, immediately they're judged <laughs> because they've been given clear instructions on how to be very careful coming into the presence of God, and they decide that they can come into the presence of God on their own. And so both of these are grave warnings. Mm -hmm. These are things that God does not judge immediately, but these are things, you know, that God hates with a, a white hot hatred. And one of them, my goodness, one of the things He hates is our hypocrisy. I was reading uh, John Stott on this, and, and he said something in, in the vein of it seemed like Ananias and Sapphira wanted the credit and the prestige of sacrificial generosity without the actual inconvenience oh, yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. And that was a really convicting line, thinking about how I yeah. often want to look so well in oh, front yeah. of others, Absolutely. but I don't want the inconvenience of actually Absolutely. doing it. And you, in three, Peter had said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? And so I realized this needed to have some swift and stern um, discipline or punishment because this was the church, you know, newly beginning, and there just needed to be that protection yeah. of the church, you know. And so, um, you know, what how, is it? How serious? Yeah. You know, how serious is this? Something very divisive. You know, Paul, when talking about, uh, you know, uh, talking about God's temple being the church, 
Uh, and and he, he talks about uh, if you destroy the temple of God, God will destroy you. Mm. And and you see mm-hmm. that you know you see that happening here. And this is serious. Our behavior is not you know, just simply a you know our private little you know thing. Mm-hmm. It's assault on the character of God, and it's assault on the people mm-hmm. uh, you know who are called by God. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, as we see in this text, far more serious. Mm-hmm. And I kind of. Um, uh, am amused. I don't know that I should be amused <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, by great fear sees the ball, and uh, nobody would join with them yeah. uh, as they're meeting day to day at the temple courts. In other words, you had to be a like serious you there. had to be a serious yeah. follower of Jesus to be a part of this group because mm-hmm. some of the things that were happening were not just awe inspiring. Some of them were very fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, as they, they give a picture, you know, of the coming of the coming judgment. Yeah, and then one of my takeaways just reading this was verse 11. The great fear sees the whole church, the whole mm-hmm. ecclesia there. And, and is that same great fear seizing me, uh, you know, in light of reading this passage, mm-hmm. uh, to be just as yeah. taken back as they were in, in, with my own life? It should be very scary to yeah. us if we're, yeah. we're uh, living, you know, two-faced lives or we're, we're you know, harboring hypocrisy, which uh, I'm pretty sure we are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I like getting to see that line again, you know, in verse 14 that we kind of saw in Acts 2. More and more men and women believe in the Lord and were added to their number. Even despite all these things that maybe were keeping people away, still the Spirit's drawing people in. Um, they're repenting, they're turning to Christ and being added to the number of the church, which is really cool to see. And then just God's, you know, He has the power to judge, kind of in ice and Sapphira, and then He also has the power to heal mm-hmm. um, in the next little passage. So, you know, mm-hmm. God is still with His people, actively involved. Absolutely. And what a good reminder. Um, but it is a serious thing to follow God. Uh, I love, uh, you know, verse, uh, you know, verse 30, uh, where, you know, he begins to, you know, he begins to talk to the Sanhedrin. He said, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him mm-hmm. to his own right hand as our prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins, the work of the Holy Spirit in doing that. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who, well, important little word there, Mm -hmm. obey him. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and you get a fuller-orbed, you know, a fuller-orbed definition of what it means to have faith in in Christ. It's not just simply to believe a few facts about him or, you know, to be affectionate toward him. It is to recognize him as Prince and Savior and and to live a life of obedience, you know, to him. So if, you know, you're asking one today, you know, how, uh, you know, how do you you become a disciple? You know, we would answer you. You need to believe these facts and pray this prayer. Jesus had said you need to deny yourself and take up your cross every day. And, and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses it for my sake will find it. Going back to Luke 9.23. So obedience is a key word in a for discipleship. Yeah, as, as they make the statement, we must obey God, they mm-hmm. also kind of conclude that with, you know, he's given the spirit to those who obey him. Right. So it's, it's bookended with obedience. Committed to him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they believe that the God of our ancestors, you know, sent Jesus to the cross, that God exalted him, which is how Christ can now forgive us our sins. And the also believe that God sent the spirit, but it's also rooted in that obedience, so belief and mm-hmm. obviously obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, same thing. We must obey God rather than human beings. You know, I, yeah, God versus human beings. You know, what is the scripture? I 
um, could be in Philippians, where it says um, not to fear man. They only can destroy your bodies, but to fear God who can know, that deal would, with that you that eternally. Would yeah, yeah exactly. that would actually be Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, going back you know, to the Gospels. Yeah, yeah. As the disciples are going out, they're going to face persecution. And he, he tells them, don't, you know, don't fear these guys. What can they do? The most I can do to just kill you. Just kill you. Okay, I'm afraid. I'm afraid <laughs> already. That's not great. I'm afraid already. But don't worry. There, there are far more things at stake. Yeah. You know, than yeah. you being persecuted or you even being killed. You know, there are far more things you know at stake. You know, at the, at the at the and gospel. And just the conclusion, like, yeah. If I'm taken before them and 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 beaten, which maybe it was a thirty not or forty minus one type of thing. I don't know what they were getting, sure. but. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they had some bloody backs and they had some mm-hmm. torn shirts. <laughs> and that's maybe when most of us exit yeah, I mean, you can bloody my back, you know what I mean? don't like, tear my shirt. It's so, a good shirt. Yeah. I just oh, bought gosh. it. They had to sell the Old Navy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's, like when, that's when we exit, mm-hmm. right? Even some people have even yeah. exited, mm-hmm. you know, just the big church even during the pandemic because of small little things that have happened. And yet we see this and they're rejoicing. I know. And so there's like, they're, they're honored to be dishonored. They're given the grace to be disgraced. And, and then they're rejoicing, and, and they continue never stopping yeah. with the preaching of the gospel. And, and that was vivid, you know, for them mm-hmm. because they saw physically their Messiah mm-hmm. dishonored, disgraced, mm-hmm. spat upon. They said, "If you treat, you know, if you treat me like him, yeah, they're pumped. That's that's an honor." Yeah. And, and of course, you're right, David. We would have, mm-hmm. you know, come back from that, you know, to our little small group and whined. Mm-hmm. I can't believe what happened. Yeah, and I was so deeply committed to Christ, and here I'm getting beat. Put me in jail. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and all of this, and they're saying it's an honor to be, and, and of course that's what Jesus also taught them in the, in yeah. the Gospels that, uh, you know, if they mistreat me, they will mistreat you as well, mm-hmm. and how great it is to be mistreated along with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cindy, do you mind closing us with a word mm, of prayer? No, I don't mind. Father, thank you for this uh, incredible passage. Um, it is certainly piercing to our hearts when we understand perhaps how little we suffer or how much we whine. Um, Father, may you do a work in our heart that deepens our love for you and uh, would even make the love for the world diminish. Um, Help us, Father, to find all that we need in you and know that you are the only thing that can satisfy. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.